I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. And we love stories and talking about stories. So we're looking at the Bible as a story that's filled with real people. And we're hoping that if we um, show the human side of these people in the story, um, that we'll see God is real too. That's right. We want to try to read the Bible with curiosity and maybe let our imagination do more work than it gets to do when we read scripture sometimes. So we're going to start with the question, what did these people eat for breakfast? And we're going to see where it takes us. How did they start their day? And how did the rest of the day go? Welcome to The Breakfast Translation. So we're, we're people who we, we know how to have a good time, mm-hmm. right? I think that's been well established through yeah, the given. of this podcast, how fun <laughs> we are. So I thought let's have a really fun like start to this podcast, which is to ask, ask ourselves, what's the worst physical pain we've ever been in? <laughs> That's because how fun is that to think right. about? So what immediately jumped to my mind is the the pain that I'm least tolerant of, I suppose. I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to reflect too much on the worst physical pain I've ever been in, but stomach pain is yeah. no good. So any t- sort of stomach flu yeah. action, I just am such a baby. And I think it's because it's so claustrophobic. You can't escape it at all. And I just remember being like stomach flu sick for like four days straight and just yeah. feeling not. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like there's lots of sicknesses where food or drink is comforting mm-hmm. and offers you like a little bit of reprieve. Yeah. From the, the respite. Pain. Yeah. But if you're having stomach pain, Mm-mm. you don't, you don't get any of that. No good. Yeah. I thought of, I've had a couple of bouts of nerve pain. Oof. Which I've had it like the sciatica thing, that nerve that runs through your whole body. Basically, I've had nerve pain Mm -hmm. uh, in my sciatica. And then I've also had like last winter, I spent a couple of months with just this. I don't know why I had it, but I had this pain in my foot Mm. that it felt like my foot was burning all the time. Oh, no. And the weird thing about nerve pain is that you can't there's no it's similar to like stomach pain. Yeah, you can't soothe it. There's no way out of it. It's not like like you can't do heat and cold mm-hmm. therapy that doesn't like the rice method doesn't do anything to nerve pain. Mm-hmm. And so there was like times where I was like, I didn't actually Google it, but I did think I should probably Google how to cut off your own foot. <laughs> like, cause oh. I would do anything to not feel this. It's such a shooting way. pain too. Yeah. And I think what, what I wanted us to, to, experience that a little bit and to revisit that and think about it is also we're getting into the book of Job and there's a distinction that gets made between the kind of suffering that's like outside of your body, Mm -hmm. like just bad things happening around you. And then there is a second category of suffering that is physical. Right. And the way that that can uniquely make you feel cursed. Mm -hmm. And so Job goes through this suffering that is loss and grief and losing his, his work and losing his kids. And then he goes to the second level of pain that's actually physical. And I think it's interesting that even in this, like this ancient writing, there's a distinction between the kind of pain that happens. That's emotional, mental Mm -hmm. pain, and then physical pain. I don't know about you, but physical pain makes my tolerance for emotional pain so much lower as well. (laughs) Oh yeah. And Mm -hmm. that when they're both happening at the same time, that I think is when you start cursing this guy. Right. You know, and uh, a part of my story is certain is like losing both my parents last year. 
And when I started having this nerve pain in my foot, I was just like, come on, <laughs> this right? really, Ugh. you really, and you do like what, and I don't even have that kind of a theology that thinks God makes bad things happen, which we're, you know, we're going to dig into that here. Mm-hmm. Why do bad things happen? And does God, is God the reason? But my theology is not that God makes all bad things happen. But when your physical body is under attack or in pain, there's a, I mean, that is a very natural response is to raise your fist to the sky to say, God, you could make this different. Mm -hmm. And so as we dig into Job, I think almost everybody has some experience of thinking, is God in this? Is God real? Why isn't God working the way I think God should work? Like whether or not God is the answer, God is always the question Mm -hmm. when there's pain. And so I think as we jump into Job, we're going to, we're going to have our fun with the breakfast question, but it, this is deep work is trying to understand what's happening when something goes wrong. So, um, what are your first memories of reading Job? Do you have any like first impressions, big things that stand out to you from the book of Job? I think it reads, it reminds me a little bit of like a folk tale. As yes. far as the, um, there's a clear character, there's a clear antagonist. Um, yes. So it just kind of it reminded me of some of the uh, like moral lesson stories yes. that I've learned. Well, and we, we dug into this a little bit, talk about the wisdom literature last time. Mm-hmm. And that is a big question in academic circles about Job is was Job a living person who really lived, who this story really happened to? Or was Job sort of a living, breathing case study in suffering, like Mm -hmm. an exercise in imagination? Like imagine a person who had done everything right and then a bunch of bad things happened to them. Would they stay faithful? Right. And I, I think it's, I love to think either of those is possible. Right. And it's also possible that it's some mix of those things. I'm sure. I mean, we all know people who lived incredible loyal lives and then had horrible things. It's like the, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? We've heard that trope. And I think Job's like the way he's described at the beginning as being so perfect. Mm -hmm. It's almost making that case study thing even stronger. Right. You, there's there's absolutely nothing you could say that would explain away this guy's losses because he does, he loses everything, but uh, it's not just a natural loss in the story. There is this, this opening story that feels like somebody pulling a curtain that may add to that, that folk feeling, that fable feeling. Mm. Cause we get this thing that's unlike anything in the Bible where God and the accuser, which is, I think it's just important for us to remember that the word for Satan is the accuser. Mm-hmm. Except like names that fit. That's just a perfect sense of what this evil force does. Right. It makes you feel accused. Um, and we've already talked about what Satan would have for breakfast, how it would be a Bloody Mary with everything mixed into it, including like pieces of bacon. <laughs> I and forgot about that. Yeah, we decided he would have a Bloody Mary for breakfast. Um, we're going to get to what God would have for breakfast, but we're not, not yet. No, I'm not ready. Yeah, we're going to study up no on that. No one's ready. Yeah, nobody's ready for that yet. So hold on. Uh, but we have this opening story that is... it feels like a work of somebody trying to decide how could a, such a righteous person lose their family, lose all these things. And that maybe they said, maybe God and Satan set a bet on this guy. Mm-hmm. And so it's unlike anything else in the Bible. 
you know, God is usually depicted as something more ethereal, more like a voice from the sky, the wind, a flame, you know, like, but this is just God and Satan talking. Yeah. Like Satan of, being like, like, I bet he won't be loyal to you if I take everything. Right. And God says, I want you to try. Let's it's, see what happens. It's not that different from the angel and the devil on the shoulders of the Smurfs. No, it's not. <laughs> and so it's them talking about this. Um, and they decide that Job is called the greatest of all the people in the East. You know, like that. Congratulations yeah, to him. I mean, kudos that's that's like the sexiest man in people magazine but mm -hmm. slightly different <laughs> um and one of the things i love about the description of job's life before this is that it's it makes a point of saying that his sons and daughters party together yeah it does it's like yeah. and the sisters and the brothers all come together yeah. and they celebrate and yeah. that means that life is good and i think i honestly think if you ask most parents if they have multiple ch kids that if you ask them what they wanted at the top of their list would maybe be for their kids to enjoy each other's company for their kids to be friends. Cause I think parents really delight in like seeing their kids love each other. Right. I think it gives them a sense of security, like a sense of they're going to have each other forever. Like, and so I just kind of love that it mentions their kids liking each other and partying together. Um, and so at least for a while, Job's breakfast he would get up early in the morning and it says he's so righteous that after his kids would party together, he would go make sacrifices and pray to God <laughs> just in case they sinned. Oh, he would like, so that's what he does for breakfast for a while. Cause yeah. it says he rises up early in the morning. Gets up before everybody. And he goes to God and he's just like, I know these kids, if they did anything, they drank too much. You know, if they watched a scary movie after their, dinner if they did anything that offended you god i just want to make amends for that yeah he did the donut run before anyone woke up <laughs> and right. just talked to god on his ride over yeah, it's said, the donut run with a twist yeah it's like by the way god if i need to kill a, a calf because my kids were bad last night i'll do that um and so we know that's his morning routine for a while and then of course this tragedy upon tragedy happens his kids are at one of these parties together and a big wind comes through and kills them. His livestock is taken from him. Uh, his land is kind of fails and he loses all this, his servants and his animals. The enemies come and take his servants and his animals. And we're told over and over again that Job does nothing wrong before this happens, does nothing wrong as this is happening, and does nothing wrong after this happens. And so there's a second big conversation between God and the accuser, the, the Satan, where God says, I'm going to let you try something else on him. I'm going to let you hurt him. You can't kill him, but you can give him a stomach ache mm -hmm. or give him pain in his foot. Right. He literally has sores on him. Right. Um, this is a funny detour, but I worked at a Christian bookstore for a long time that had a Job action figure. Deb, I told you this. No, I'm excited to hear what happens next. Slash nervous. It had a Job action figure and it, it had like, it talks about him using pot shards to like work at his skin 
sores. Right. And it had accessories. It had the shards. It had pot shards that oh, he could. Oh, my goodness. And it had, it had open wounds. No. This is a true thing. And I regret all the time that I didn't buy this Job action figure because when I tell people, they're like, that no. can't be real. So, yes, he has open wounds. He has pot shards that he uses to to work on, to make like pressure, to put pressure on the wounds or something. Yeah. And I do have to say that one time I did arrange the display because he was with a bunch of stuffed animals and I made all the animals look dead because <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> that is funny. It's well, funny. it's it's unfortunate for, for not, Job. Not ha ha funny. No. Yeah. No. Um. So, yeah, so there's levels of suffering. The first level is that God allows Satan to take away the things that are most precious to Job, which doesn't include his wife, interestingly enough. <laughs> his wife is spared. Um, but his She's kids not very taken. supportive either. Yeah, that's right. She plays a funny role in this story. It, but then the next level seems to be this physical suffering. So if you've ever physically suffered, I think this is affirmation that that is a next level of that feeling of God abandoning you. Mm -hmm. And of course, this story is about why bad things happen. Ultimately, it fits in the wisdom literature of like people trying to sort out a question. Uh, the fancy word for this is theodicy. Okay. Um, which is just the, the question of why bad things happen. Why does suffering happen? And so we get chapters and chapters of Job and his friends talking this out. Yeah. Trying to to sort out some meaning. Yes. And Job's friends, they definitely seem to think that it's, he had to have done something wrong. Right. They said, dig deep. You did something. God's yes. punishing you. Yes. And Job keeps insisting, I swear I did nothing wrong. And it's all poetic. Like it's all written in poetry. So that kind of lends itself to this idea that it was a case study in suffering. Um, one of my favorite lines is there's a moment where Job, because his friends are kind of, they're not great friends. No. You know, that's not. <laughs> they're not trusting their pal. Yeah. There's, and there's one moment where Job says to his friend, well, surely wisdom will die with you. And that is a good burn. Mm -hmm. I think if you're ever in an internet argument, a good way to reply to something is just say, well, surely wisdom will die when you die. And scene. I think it's, I love it. Uh, Job spends most of the book defending himself. And it's worth saying, I think, that this kind of arguing, this kind of, this precedent of searching for wisdom with a good question is a part of the Jewish community's faith. There is, if you're curious about this at all, there's a beautiful movie called God on Trial that captures this, that is... It depicts these men in a death camp during the Holocaust, during World War II, and they decide on a day that they don't have to go out in the fields and essentially kill themselves through labor. They decide to put God on trial. Wow. And they assign some people in the death camp to the team defending God and some to the team accusing God. And then it's an hour and a half or so of them just talking out the complexity of why suffering and why this particular kind of suffering and they hold court on God. And I, I just, I love that principle. I love that idea. I love that. That's a part of faith. I love that Job is included in the Bible because it represents that. Right. The questioning. Um, I had an old Testament uh, professor who I loved who, when he taught us about Job, 
he talked about how this is essentially a book about algebra. Okay. That Job's friends and Job himself, for a lot of the book, have a certain algebra about how the world works. That A plus B equals C. Good behavior plus blessings equals. Yep. Happy life. Yep. And that they're just fighting or and the inverse of that. Right. That suffering Bad behavior is because of equals, sin mm-hmm. and not asking forgiveness. And that what happens in the end is finally the voice from the sky kind of speaks and says all this, all this stuff about how God had made the world and nobody else was there. You don't get to like press that hard. You don't have the answers. And I always took that. And there's, there's memes on the internets right now about that. How like Job is like, why did my whole family die? God, I made a hippopotamus. (laughs) Like that's God's answer. <laughs> so how could you argue with the person who made giraffes? Right. Is essentially the answer. Oh my goodness. And, but what I loved about what my professor said is that it's actually God, God is rejecting the algebra. The God is saying it's not about math. Mm-hmm. And that, that I think that fits with the greater picture of the old Testament and the Hebrew scriptures is that they keep trying to turn it into a math system. I got up in the morning and I, made all these sacrifices. So surely everything should work out. And that that's what God keeps rejecting is the math. Um, And I think we have to ask, is that a, so eventually God kind of responds to that. He says, God says this long thing about how I made all this stuff and you weren't there. I separated the oceans. I can hold the ocean in my hand. And Job has a humble response to that and says that, all right, you're right. And God kind of curses the friends, as God should, <laughs> and not good as we all should. There's there's some immediate application there of like how to not show up when your friends are hurting, uh, is to not show up with your explanations, and to not show up with your arguments about why it's happening. Yeah, um, that's a great point. So I think we need that. We need to recognize that. But I think it is a good question: is like, is this a satisfying ending for Job to just be like, all right? <laughs> And, and then everything gets replaced, essentially. Job gets land back, gets servants back, and gets new kids, um, which has a funny... So that's how that works. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and there is, there's an author I really love who wrote about the, who wrote about Job. I can't remember the name of the book, but he says, like, you have to wonder how does Job for the rest of his life answer how many kids do you have? Oh. You know, that for the rest of his life... So even though it reads to us like, oh, he gets more kids. Right. Um, If he's a real person or if he's a case study, either way, the answer is more complicated. Yeah. It does not eliminate loss. Yes. That even some restoration, some healing does not wipe out the the suffering. Um, I I personally love a story that doesn't end with answers. (laughs) I think this might be like if you liked the ending of Lost, then you'll love Joe. Uh, <laughs> you know, because not too many people liked the ending <laughs> of Lost, <laughs> and I I fit into that category. Really enjoying the ending of Lost. I never really needed to know about the polar bear. And it's also interesting to know that we can't. I mean, what God is saying is that we can't know what the yes. ending is because we can't fathom it. Yes, and that that leads into the work of Jesus. Because I can't remember, I never can remember the actual numbers. I'm sure we talked about them during the Jesus series where Jesus asked, 
something like 300 questions and he answers three of them. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus himself asked 190 some questions of other people. So this idea we have that wisdom is having all the answers. is just not, it's not in the Bible that wisdom is knowing which answers we have and which ones we don't and being at peace with that, I think. So that's not as fun as some of our episodes, but it might be where a lot of us live a lot of the time. And especially right now in that mix of feeling a need for answers, but trying to find a place we could live if we don't have them. So thanks for joining us on this happy version of the breakfast translation. You send in your most physically painful moments. That's right. (laughs) Tell us what, when you felt personally cursed. Tune in next time.